because I was a slave. I was a slave to my work and different things. And God used a storm to change my direction mm -hmm. to stop me from going down a selfish path and to bring me under submission to him and his word. We believe that you are strong by design and you were made in God's image to have a strong body, mind, and spirit. Hi, my name is Chris Wilson, and you're listening to the number one strength and health authority podcast in the world. So let's get ready to unlock your potential and transform your life with today's expert. Hey, if you want the free seven worst testosterone killers report, then just text TESTO to 345-345. That's TESTO, T-E-S-T-O, to 345-345. And you'll get a text from me asking for your email. Then you'll get the free report sent to your email inbox. And if you're not in the U.S. or Canada, then you can grab the free report at criticalbench.com forward slash bonus dash video. Let's dive in. Hey there, how you doing? This is Coach Chris Wilson with the Strong by Design podcast. Honored today to have with us Pastor Art Dykstra, uh, a local church here in Clearwater, Florida. And uh, the name of the church might come up. I mean, if it does, at the end of the world, we can certainly say it. Well, why don't we just put it out there? Feather Sound Church. So, uh, <laughs> well, because it's probably going to come up it's something I ask you or, or in our discussion. We have a lot of things that we want to cover today. And it all started actually with a, a sermon that you gave a while back. And uh, founder of Critical Bench, Mike Westerdahl, was at that at that uh, at church that day and it all began with the why does god uh, send storms right yeah and for anybody listening who isn't sure what i'm talking about we're gonna we, we're, there's a lot to cover uh about that one line uh storms in our lives and uh so first and foremost thank you so much for being here today it's a, a pleasure to have you Great to be here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just met you for the first time a week ago. And Mike's been telling me, we got to get him in. We got to get past Pastor Art in here. And I said, well, we'll do it. Let's let's get it going. I, I'd like to meet him first, <laughs> even if it's briefly. So that was nice. And uh, I very quickly sent an email and got you in here. And I'm really excited about wh what you have to discuss with us today. So why don't we just begin from the beginning here? with what you wrote uh, about Jonah and just go into uh, just that'll just take us into the, the material. Sure. You know, one of the things about the Bible is that it's you cannot separate our I guess you could say our handbook for living. Yeah, I'm a pilot. Actually, I have a single engine pilot's license and you have a POH, a pilot operating handbook. So yeah. I typically fly a Cessna 172, belong to a flying club just around the corner. Oh, cool. And you rent a plane, right? And you, every plane that you fly in, you have to have a POH. This is our POH, our human operating handbook, I guess, an HOH. Um, it, in the POH, it tells you how to have good performance out of your plane, how to have normal performance, how to run it so that it operates normally, how to have per, um, extreme performance out of it, um, how to do maintenance so that it operates normally over a long period of time, right. what to do in case of emergencies, all these elements are essentially come from really the word of God in 
in terms of he's our manufacturer. He didn't leave us hanging. He goes, okay, living this out, I'm going to give you a Second Peter 1, verse uh, 3 through 5 says, everything you need for life and godliness. The general principles you need for living a life free of dysfunction, I guess you could say. Yeah. Not, maybe not the specific, hey, who are you going to marry, that type of thing. But here's the type of person you should proceed after and how you act in marriage. And yeah. They're all handed out here. And, and, and here's what I see personally and why I'm so passionate about the Bible. I have a background in business. I have a master's degree, MBA in, in marketing and climb the corporate ladder. But God really got a hold of my life, changed me. What I love is how this faith intersects with life. You know, we, we at, at Feather Sound Church, we go through expository, verse by verse is what it means, yeah. through the Bible, book by book. Yeah. And just looking at the book of Philippians, for example, you have all these issues of life that happen to us physiologically, but a lot of times they have a spiritual underlying cause. I mean, take anxiety, take some of the stressors that we go through, and we all go through stress, right? Yeah. You know, 70% of them actually have a very physical expression or physiological expression, but they have a spiritual understanding of how you deal with them. And we just don't simply deal with them properly because we're trying to do things foolish man's way instead of according to what our maker had to say and living out those principles of life. And, you know, it's one of the things that came very clear to me. So uh, dealing with this idea that we started talking about is in the storms of life. And I'm speaking about the spiritual storms. Obviously, you know, I think someone just said today on the radio that it's been 13 years today that Hurricane Katrina came. You got physical storms, but in a very real way, you have the physical storms, but you have the very spiritual storms in our life. And and here's why this is important. Yeah. It's important because there is very little growth outside of the storms in life. It's not, as I often say to people, it's mm. not the Disneyland experiences that you grow. It's, I hate to say it because it's tough. It's through the difficult times that if we let God do his work, that we grow in a very real sense. Absolutely. I actually had a, a similar conversation with my son the other day. He gets upset when Monday comes around sometimes and he has to go back to school and we have to go back to work. And why can't, why do we have to make money? Why can't everything just be free? Why do you have to work? Why, you know, why this, why that? And it's hard to explain stuff like that to a six year old, you know? But I said, buddy, if, if we got to do everything every day that you like, you know, that you liked, that was fun, for instance, I said, then you wouldn't have an appreciation for it for when those moments do come to us. So I said, you know, life is about work. And, and, and if there weren't people working, then nothing would get accomplished. You know, people have jobs to do and we all contribute to the, to the greater good, you know? And it was, it was, again, it was, it was hard explaining this to him, but you can't, in order to appreciate the good times, you have to kind of go through these, through the storms, right? You, in, in order for this growth, in order for, and then to see, hopefully, God in your life and, and the need for him, because you can't do it on our own. I know I, I know I can't. Yeah. <laughs> and I know people who, who don't have that, that connection, um, that spiritual connection or, or have that, that faith in, in the man upstairs. They, they have a lot of, um, a, a lot of, a lot of things that they just can't seem to get past in their lives. And they're kind of just relying on themselves to get through it. And it's just, they keep bumping into into a wall. Yeah, actually, that's 
specifically in a roundabout way, that was really one of my main points of the, the book of Jonah. The Old Testament, it tends to speak in metaphors, big, broad yeah. brushstrokes, pictures, yes. yeah. symbols. The people of Israel in slavery in Egypt, Egypt's always a type of the world, being extracted out of slavery, being brought to the promised land is a picture that for was a real historical event. But it was also a big picture how every one of us outside of our relationship with God, we are made to worship. We'll worship something and we're all stuck in slavery. You're going to be a slave to something. The difference is Jesus is the best master. He's the only master that calls you friends. And so you see throughout the Old Testament, these big pictures, crossing of the Jordan River is a symbol of baptism. It's a symbol of new life, going into the promised land, all these different things. And you find that in the book of Jonah. It's just a book. It's a real historical event. And, and I can, you could talk about that. And I'm not here to debate whether you think that Jonah got swallowed by a great fish, which is actually the Hebrew word. And I believe there's reasons, but it's beyond the scope of this, that I think this is legitimate. Uh, we can talk about that if you want. But um, <laughs> regardless, you don't need to make that point. Jonah was a real historical figure, but God was painting this big brushstroke to teach not only this individual, because God cares about individual, but he also cares about an entire people. He cares about the Assyrians, the Ninevites, but he also cares about ancient nationalistic Israel who had turned completely inward. They were supposed to be reaching out to guys like Nineveh who were real terrible people. Actually, if you know the context behind them, some of the things they did, there's a reason why the Jonah didn't want to go and be a, and take God's message to them. They were a bunch of jerks, uh, to put it lightly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> to put it lightly. And so he didn't want to go, but they had turned inward and said, hey, no, you're my God. I'm not going to go reach these people. And it's a, a picture for us because we have a tendency to have what I call country club Christianity, and we don't do the outward part. And the church yeah. really exists. is the only organization that exists for the benefit of non-members. <laughs> yeah. We exist to serve others and to love others. And when a church misses that, they miss God's heart for people. And that's the story. This, in the New Testament, he gives principles. In the Old Testament, he uses pictures, metaphors. And you hit on one of those points, I think, that we learn from the book of Jonah in, in going through the storms of life. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's invaluable to... to to have those conversations too with, with, with younger people, um, uh, and with each other. Um, because I, it's, I don't know, you know, we've all gone through our own share of storms, yeah. you know, and some of us go through those storms alone. And some of us go through those with a network of people like a congregation, for instance, or a community or a, a really loving family. And, Thank, thank God for those, for those people, for, you know, because, you know, we, we, otherwise we internalize everything you can't get, can't get over things if you can't talk about them and feel them out and, 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 and discuss them and break them down into bits and pieces. And you need other people's perspectives, I think, to do that. So I, yeah, obviously Jonah and Storm. So I kind of, uh, <laughs> Kind of let the cat out of the bag with that one before it even happened, huh? But but I love I love all this the the uh, the storytelling from the Old Testament is is fantastic. Um, so you wrote something here that it says to wake us up from our sleep. And I, could you could you talk about what you mean by that? Yeah. The reason it's good that we're talking about this, Chris, because. To those that are listening, those that I interact with in the congregation or just in general in life, 
it's not a matter of if you're going to go to the storm, it's when. Yeah. And so you could be going, listening to this right now, you could be going through the storm right now, or maybe you're just out of the storm. But if that's not you, you could pretty much guarantee you will go through the storm. And part of the reason is we live in a fallen, broken world. Mm. And so here's the deal is we all react differently to the storms. You know, in chapter one, verse seven, here's these guys, verse seven through 10, and they look and they're trying to deal with the storm, trying to figure out what's going on in the middle of all this. They try to manage the storm, throw out, they try to throw out the cargo. I guess, you know, humanly speaking, when we're in a physical storm, we're going to try to use our own wits as much as possible. The danger with that, especially it's apropos for America, capable, educated, generally wealthy compared to most of the world. Yeah. We try to manage storms on our own strength. Yeah. And I just tell you right now, don't try to manage the storm in your own strength. Don't try to figure out the storm lightning your load or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, Jonah, what he did is he tried to manage the storm. He's like, he's exhausted from running. He's running from God. Don't miss that. That is a very clear picture for all of us. He goes down into the bottom of the ship and he falls asleep. The only way, by the way, that you could fall asleep in the middle of a storm where seasoned sailors are freaking out tossing out their cargo, their livelihood, (laughs) is if it's pretty serious. The only way you can do that is if you're exhausted. I would just say this one thing is that running from God, not doing things God's way, seeking to lighten your load in the storm is never going to go well for you outside of moving towards God. And and here he is, he's running and he's exhausted. It says something interesting. I I really believe God spoke to me clearly on this as I'm reading, because I love to interact with the author as I'm reading. Hey, why do you say this, God? You you know, can you reveal this to me? And not in a weird kind of a way, but in a mystical kind of way. But, you know, I interact with the author expecting that he's going. And it says, it says, and Jonah paid his fare. We all pay the price of this. The storm came because of Jonah's sin. There's rebellion running away. Let's just make that clear. So sometimes, by the way, I'll just make this clear. Sometimes the storms just come because we're in a broken, sinful world. Sometimes they come because of the consequences of other people's sins. Hey, really, our storms affect us. Jonah's storm is affecting these sailors. Sometimes it's the consequence of our own actions. I work with a lot of addicts, and uh, there's consequences to the storms that they bring on because yeah. of their rebellion, I guess you could say, not right. doing things God's way yeah. is, or going according to God's plan. So here he is in the middle of the storm. He's paying for it. He actually paid to get on that ship, but he's exhausted running from God. And now, so the question is, why does God send storms? Not an exhaustive list. Did we be here forever? Because there's a number of reasons that clearly the storm came from God. I do believe that there's a number of different things like Adam and Eve. They had storms that came because of a, it's a broken, simple world. The story of Job is one of those stories mm. that, that have been encouragement for thousands of years. Yeah. But sometimes God allows the adversary, Satan is actually the word in the Hebrew. Satan means the adversary. He caused the storm, but God allowed it. I, the principle that one of the things that's clear in the book of Jonah is that God's in control. Don't ever forget that even in the middle of the storm, but God still uses it. Now, the story of Jonah is specifically sometimes those storms come directly for God from God. And here's a prophet. He loves God. He's called. He acts on his behalf, but he's not listening to God. And God loves him so much, he's willing to even send a storm to get his attention. So, you know, the first thing, Jonah falls asleep. And so that first point is this idea that God uses the storms to wake us 
from our sleep because we get comfortable in life. It's something yeah. that that we in America, I think, we need to be woken up. Um, and it's in the middle of the storm. I think that God often uses those things. I look at my life, comfortable, middle-class income with future so bright, you gotta wear shades and I'm doing things my way. I can tell you, Chris, the, the three most difficult things that I have been through personally. Now, it doesn't go back to the Disneyland moments as I referred to earlier. Right. It goes back to the three toughest things I can think of emotionally that I've been through. One was a health issue. One was a, two, one was a relationship issue. And one was, you know, a tragedy that happened in my life. You definitely could follow those as storms. And I look back and go, man, God, you really used those storms to get my attention. I remember when 9-11 happened because I was already in, in full-time ministry. And mm -hmm. it, it was a storm. We don't have to steer and argue on who caused that. God uses those things. The churches were full over a couple of weeks. So it got people's attention. It's what you do with it at that point, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. And uh, so he wakes us. It, it, something that flows out of that is, is God uses those storms not only to wake us from our sleep, but to bring us to repentance. What does that mean? It's I, I call them the woodshed moments in in terms of, Here's Jonah. I mean, he's a prophet and he's in very specific rebellion. Here's a guy who actually hears from God and he says, no, I'm going to do it my way. And so many of us are concerned. We're so bent on doing things our way. You know, the Bible says a man plans the way, but the Lord directs his steps. But he also says in Jeremiah that the heart is deceptive and desperately weak, wicked. Who can know it? Um, verse after verse, you can walk through that talks about us when we follow our our heart, this little deception factory. Yeah. I'm going to go after this. Everything inside of me screams. My emotions tell me, my memories, my background, the events happening to me, my peers all tell me to go this way. I don't care. What does the Bible have to say about this? And so here's this guy, Jonah, and he's running away. He's in rebellion. God used the storm very specifically to wake him up from his sleep for a purpose, bring him back into re relationship. Repentance, the idea is I'm going this way and I do a complete 180 and go the opposite direction, back to God. Why? Because God's a tyrant? No, absolutely not. Because God's way is far better than anything that, it's gonna look different than than you and I have planned, but I can tell you it's far better. I, I look back at my life, mm. climbing the corporate ladder. Yeah. You know, again, a guy with an MBA 20 years ago who had far more opportunities than anybody else just yeah. because of people I knew. Yeah. I had everything that I needed to, the fancy sports car, the house and the toys. Man, I was so empty because I was a slave. I was a slave to my work and different things. And God used a storm to change my direction mm -hmm. to stop me from going down a selfish path and to bring me under submission to him and his word, specifically because his way is better. Not because God is sitting there going, oh, I just really need art to follow me. Right. But because he's going like, no. He's wooing me. I've got something better from God says he's jealous. He doesn't mean he's Oprah Winfrey. He, she went the other direction <laughs> from God because she's like, I don't understand a God who can, who can be, who can have such a petty emotion. Well, you misunderstand Oprah. The, the message, the, the message is he's jealous for, uh, uh, he's jealous for us, not of us. Like my wife, if she went and had some terrible addiction, I'd be like, baby, I got something better for you. Stop doing that. And that's God's heart for us. Your best is to follow my plan. I'm your maker, manufacturer. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he wants our time. 
he doesn't want these other things yeah. to steal time away yeah. that he that he values with us. Looking to win some free Critical Bench gear? Here's how. Just write an awesome five-star review on iTunes for the Strong by Design podcast. We'll post the winners on Instagram. Just go to at the Critical Bench, watch our podcast highlight story to see if you've won. We post the winning review there, and if you have won, be sure to DM us. And, and ultimately... Your, your third point here was God wants us to grow in his image um, as the, the creator of all things, right? He made men or made man and woman uh, in his image. And he, that's what he wants us to, to grow in. Um, could you elaborate a little bit more on that? Yeah. You know, they all flow in into each other. God wants to bring right. us into relationship. The ultimate purpose, of course, is to to make us in that quote of second Peter one, verse three and four, it, it says that uh, he's given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him. And, and then it goes on later on to say, so that we might participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Look, just what that means is everything we need for living a life free of dysfunction is found in God's word. The general principles applying it is where we get the success to live out free of dysfunction the dysfunction comes by our evil desires saying yeah. i'm going to do it my way and so god says look you're best for you i grew up in an environment where i thought god was a tyrant <laughs> and who just wanted to he was the cosmic killjoy and uh and that was the environment i grew up in yeah and so i feared god he just wanted to squish me because of sin no one had ever taught me it's because that idea of i got something better for you i love you and this is your greatest good, to be conformed to my image. And that's why one of the reasons Jesus came, obviously, to pay this the debt, that sin debt we have, but also to give us an example on, on how to live. Here's a pattern to, for you to follow in the middle of all this. But, you know, uh, I look through all the scriptures and, and you, you could look at James 1 and verse 2 through 4 and uh, James 1 verse 12. You could look at Romans 5 and it talks about, oh, again, we don't have time to go through this. Right. But it says very specifically that suffering produces all these different things in you, which produces endurance to bring us down to maturity, fully mature. And so God in his grace, he allows suffering. What a paradigm shift. Really? There's suffering that sometimes brings us into, grow us into his image. And I'll be as bold to say that most things wouldn't simply happen unless they happen through a difficult time, just because of our, our foolish rebellion and, yeah. and who we are. You know, Romans 8, 28 was, I mean, it, it goes on after that 29 to really talk about things that wouldn't happen. But in Romans 8, 28, it's a very well-known verse that, uh, he works all things to good for those who love him called according to his purpose first for those who love him this is not a verse that you can claim if you're just out there doing your own thing right those are for people who stuck their flag in the sand and said i belong to jesus but he says all things work to good in the middle of all this uh, i'll make this claim that that there is no purposeless suffering for the believer it may seem purposeless because we don't have the fifty thousand foot view yeah we also don't have I can't see far into the future. <laughs> I can see in this immediate. In the middle of that yeah. suffering, you're like, why? And the temptation yeah. is to shake your fist yeah. 
And have it, in fact, if, if you don't mind, I'll share a story that's very personal no, please, please to do. me. You know, we were talking about our kids. I've uh, got a late start in life. I got a four-year-old and a two-year-old. Four-year-old, you know, we had been married for a while. And we had been trying to have kids and been very purposeful about it for a decade. And no kids coming along. And finally, we find out we're pregnant. And uh, and twins. And I just went, wow, God, just this is amazing. Something I always wanted. I felt called to be a father. And and now twins, like instant family. Man, right. you're so good in the middle of all this. I yeah. was so excited. And we get to the three-month mark. No yeah. indications, you know, two heartbeats and had the first scan and everything's good and the follow-up. Everything is great. We go to the 12-week. I think it's 12-week where they do an ultrasound. And the lady kind of, you know, I guess maybe she'd been doing this too long, but very insensitively, she's like, oh, on my wife's belly. Looks like uh, baby A has died. And, oh, and baby B has Down syndrome. Like kind of matter of fact, like, not quite like that, but it was very oh my insensitive actually, if you want to put it that way. In the middle of all this, I, I was like, well, wait, first of all, baby A, he's just, he's in the fetal position. And what do you mean? And he goes, no, he's just sleeping. No, no, he looks like about a week ago he died. And, and you can see the markers here. He's got the genetic markers. Baby B has the big forehead, the sack behind the neck. These are all genetic markers, Down syndrome, some genetic anomaly. Now, in the middle of this, like my life came crashing down. So uh, my wife and I, are, she goes, oh, I'll let you process it. Okay, so we... We're sitting there going, what in the world? We yeah. didn't expect this at all. Yeah. So that afternoon, I get back to my office. You know, we called my parents, her parents, and we're in tears. Oh, yeah. I'm in my office, and I'm, and I, my memory verse for the week was Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7. You know, hiding God's word in your heart, by the way, is the greatest way to grow, is just making sure you get God's word in you. If it really is true, then it should do whatever you can to get it in you That's in this right. life. And, it says, in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace that transcends all understanding will guard your heart and mind. Uh, basically, depending on your translation. So, basically, hey, pray, but do it with thanksgiving. And I'm sitting there having a conversation with God. Okay, I could pray. Here's my requests. I mean, this is insane. I'm trying to go over these things in my head. And it says with thanksgiving. And I really felt... God's speaking in my heart saying, okay, where's the Thanksgiving part? And I'm going, no, there's nothing. I have nothing to be thankful for. And really there was this kind of still small voice. Do you really have nothing to thank, be thankful for? I'm like, yeah, I guess I do. And by faith, I started to not only give God my requests, but also purposeful thanking God for, you know, my wife and my job and different things right, and the impact right. that we're having to my friends. And I'm telling you, there is something remarkable that happened in my life that I can't explain. That I've only experienced one other time. And it was in that other situation I was telling you about that was devastating to yeah, me, this yeah. relationship issue, where there was a peace that came over that transcended all understanding. It's a supernatural peace that makes absolutely no sense in response to taking God at his word. I went home to my wife. Oh, no, there was another thing that happened that same day in my office. A guy walked by and he said, you know... Wasn't even talking to me. He was talking to someone else. And he said, you know, Romans 8, 28 says that all things work to God. And when in the Greek, it means all, it means all things. I'm like, you know, shake my, I was shaking my fist at God going, how do you make this work to good? Right. Like this doesn't make any sense. One baby's dead. One has a very significant genetic issue yeah. that is going to completely change the trajectory of my life. Right. This doesn't work to good. This is going to be terrible. 
And in the middle of all this, after praying Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7, he said, do you really believe that I'm good? And I, again, I don't have these conversations out loud. I'm hearing God's voice parting the sky, whatever. But, you know, I, he brought to mind different verses and going by faith. I do believe that you work all things to good in the middle of this. And so I went and <laughs> I stuck my flag in the sand, I guess you could say, which all of us have to do and said, yeah. by faith, I don't see how this works out to good, but I'm going to believe it. And I'm telling you, something clicked with those two verses that, and I went home and I told my wife, I said, look, there is a peace that came over me that I can't explain a supernatural piece that's not humanly driven that came by just simply going, I'm in the storm. I don't know how it works, but somehow, God, you work and you can conform me to your image in the middle of all this. And my wife had been researching Down syndrome children, and she had come across this video that Calvary Chapel Fort Lauderdale had put together about this ministry that they had for Down syndrome kids. And they were talking about how, what a blessing their Down syndrome kid is and how full of joy is. And she said, I don't know how it works out, but yes, somehow this works out. Now, I don't know in the middle of all this, if there was a miracle done or if this, wow, I, I have the CT scan showing the big forehead and the markers or whatever. I don't know what God did in the middle of all this. Our, our child is very normal. He's strong-willed, high energy, <laughs> somewhat <laughs> over the top. So this is your four-year-old that you're, four -year -old. you're speaking of who, who, who was born without... Yeah, yeah, no genetic anomaly. Yeah, um, I don't know what God did. I, I still think at times of the baby A, <laughs> and it breaks my heart. Yeah. But uh, in the middle of all, I have to tell you, this circumstance, in this storm, in this tragedy of not being able to have kids, in the middle of this, God did a real work in my life, launched my faith farther than I could ever have imagined through this storm. Wow, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. I know that's probably not easy uh, to, to talk about. And just as a, as a father of, of two young kids and having gone through some similar fertility issues and mm. and losing uh, losing what you thought was going to be a kid. And that's it, just so, so tough to find the uh, meaning in it and to not want to run the other way and say, well, this isn't working, God. You know, I'm, I've been given, I've been given doing my best here and, and praying and being a good person and uh, loving you. And, and, you know, it's almost like, and this is, this is the thanks I get, you know, but right. But then when you actually just stay in the, stay in there and, and keep your faith and continue to pray and, and, and find thanks for all those things that you do have in your life to be thankful for things have a way of working out well what what you just hit on you know a lot of times there's the quid pro quo within faith if i just do this yeah then god will have to do this the right. danger of course of that is that it's i merit these things right and of course that's not how christianity works a lot of faith systems work that way but this I, is not not how christianity works no. it's, it's grace um yeah but uh but the, isn't that but funny the, that's just how our how our mind works right is, but what you also said at the end is also profound, too, because this idea, the th one of the themes of Jonah is that God is in control. Actually, it says God sent the storm very clearly. God sent the great fish. God commanded the great fish to spit him up on the land. God sent the, at the end of the, in chapter four, he sends a, a vine to grow over and then he sends the worm to kill the vine. 
again, I don't think this is all just story. I think it actually happened supernaturally, of course. But throughout the book of Jonah, you see this very specific word appointed. It's the same word that Jeremiah uses that where it says, I, I, when I formed you in the womb, I appointed you. I, I set you apart before you were even born. It speaks of God being in control of our circumstances. You hinted at it. That's also what God wants to do in the storm. He wants to to remind us that it's not about me. It's not about me being in control because that's pride. And God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble, 1 Peter 5. 5. He wants to root out that pride because he wants us to be oriented upward, not inward Mm. in everything that, that we do. It's also interesting, you know, James 1 tells us to consider it all pure joy when we face trials and sufferings. I mean, what an insane thing to say. Who could say that? <laughs> Woohoo! I'm going through the tough time. Yeah, I know. Because the testing of your faith, you know, all these things produce these goals. That's the remarkable thing about Paul's life, watching Paul's life going, wow, this is amazing. But he knew that God, there's no purposeless suffering for the believer. If you're going through the storm right now, I'm going to tell you. What we need to do is one, first of all, we need to find out, did I cause this? <laughs> and yeah. the one response is because of the consequence of my sin. Well, then I better move to repentance right away. Jonah caused the storm. But there's times where God does things to, to do things in our life, to grow us, to form us into his image. Here's another thing that God does in the storms that's not our fault. He allows us to go through the storms to equip us. You know, Paul tells the church in 2 Corinthians 1, he says that, hey, I'm going to, sometimes he does things in there so so he comforts you in the way that you, so you can comfort others in the way that you've been comforted. Yeah. So you go through different things. And I, I look at the ministries that we have and people involved in the abortion, in, in, in abortion ministries, there are people who had abortion. They work through it. God redeemed it. Now they're able to, to minister to the brokenness of people who have gone through an abortion. One of the guys that, that's one of our associate or one of our pastors, the elders on staff, he is, um, he's just got back from, a nearby town where you have a contract on a camp that we're converting but he's got he's got years of addiction eight years he was addicted to pills and crack and yeah he was actually living on the street god redeemed his life but you know who he ministers to now full time is guys that are struggling with addiction so yeah. we're bought this old camp uh we close on it in october and we got it'll be big enough for 40 men and we're gonna love on these men walking them through mm. recovery and growth yeah but that's not me that's not my background i'm learning about these things that's mike he's passionate about that because god has equipped him through the storm yeah that firsthand experience and those are some of the most amazing stories to me are, are the people that you know you see these the, the stories that are somehow given you know, delivered to us maybe through television or you know through uh conversation or some charity that we find out about and then we get the backstory about what started that yeah. momentum and it was, all came down to a, a man or a woman or a, or a couple that maybe went through something that was nothing that any of us would want to have to go through ourselves or or wish on anyone but they they turned it into something that benefited thousands of others if not millions yeah. and it's it's um and you see you say, okay, I, it, they had that person had to go through that in order for them to be able to affect the lives of all these other people yeah. dealing with yeah. that. Do you, do you, do you remember the name Johnny Erickson? 
She, Johnny Erickson Tata. familiar. Yeah, she was diving as a teenager off a bridge or something like that, yeah. cracked her vertebrae, and, and she became a quadriplegic. Now, what yeah. a tragedy. That's a storm. Yeah. And that's a, that's a terrible storm. Yeah, and that's just the kid <laughs> being a kid. Doing just a kid so, being do, a kid. Doing I'm, something goofy. I, I, I yeah. jumped off yeah. probably much worse bridges as a yeah. kid. But it's interesting. So I, I've been all over the world. I've been to 50-something, 50 55 countries. You know, I used to work in, for a nonprofit. We built schools and clinics and orphanages. So I spent time in the Eastern context, Nepal. So I'm in this random town in Nepal, and I run across some people playing, uh, some some people in wheelchairs in Kathmandu, actually. And and uh, I was, you know, this, these are pretty nice for the average person in Kathmandu. Uh, these are pretty nice wheelchairs. Where'd you get them? Oh, Johnny and Friends ministry that Johnny Erickson started. <laughs> I'm in Guatemala in a, on an orphanage for handicapped children. Uh, in, actually, not, not, no, sorry, that was Peru on the Ucayali River, a little town called Pucallpa. We were building a, an orphanage for people who had polio and different, um, basically anybody who had physical handicaps. Yeah. And uh, on the edge of the Amazon forest, a lot of tribal people had yeah, gone there. Yeah, And wow. um, so I'm like, where in the world did you get all this incredible equipment? Oh, there's a ministry called Johnny and Friends. Wow. Now, fast forward, I'm in Guatemala in this town called Antigua, and there's a basketball court and all these guys with these high-performance sport wheelchairs, yeah. and there's a basketball team playing each other in a league. And I was like, hey, where'd you get all those? Those are pretty nice. Johnny and Friends. Yeah. Now, again. This is three par- different situations all I'm, over the world. All over the world, impacted by a lady who... I, you know, I call them a million dollar experiences you wouldn't pay a dime for. You know, <laughs> Johnny would probably want her legs, but I heard an interview with her. It wow. just blew me away and how thankful it is that she is that God allowed her to have such an impact on the world through this tragedy that he redeemed and wow. he used it. And again, ultimately, going through the storms of life, one of the things that we have to keep in mind mm-hmm. is to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, that that... Everything that we go through, we basically, you know, my translation, we put them on scales that nothing compares to the eternal weight of glory is actually what he says. You know, this tragedy, cancer, relationship issues, yes. poverty. Yeah. When you put them on the scale of eternity, clearly doesn't compare. And so we're myopic. We're short-sighted. Yes, we are. But if we keep our eyes on the end game, that this world is not the end. I can go through whatever tragedy that this broken world throws me mm-hmm. with joy. That's actually one of the main points of Philippians chapter uh, 3 and 4. Paul says, look, I've learned the secret of being content in all circumstances. How in the world? I know a little bit of your life. You've been shipwrecked a couple of times, beaten, stoned, left for dead, hungry, thirsty, without clothes, in jail more than everyone. Not because you're a terrible dude, but because you're a Christian and you decided to put Jesus first in your life. You did not have this incredible, your best life now, as popular evangelical Christianity often says. Hmm. He had a terrible life. And here he is, the apostle Paul. And yet he says, I learned the secret of being content. And it's called the, the, the gospel or the letter of joy. Because 16 times in four short chapters, he mentions some conjugation of the word joy. Because his connection was so tight with his Lord that he could go through all these things make a choice to but I believe one of the keys in his life was that idea this is not the end I am living in light of eternity wow 
I, I know it's, it's it's really hard. I remember <laughs> yeah. trying to unravel that as a, as a, as a kid in school, or, you know, in youth group or whatever, you know, and thinking about forever and eternity and and heaven and the life after this one. And it would it would make my literally make my head spin having trying to have conversations with with my peers and stuff. And we just it was such an odd feeling of like what, what would it be like to just you're you're a lot you're alive forever in heaven you know with god pretty pretty cool so i just i i really appreciate this uh this message i i know some people that'll they'll end up listening to this uh they might not have a strong faith or or faith at all uh or they're seeking uh so, something else in their life for fulfillment maybe they feel em- an emptiness there or a void and i encourage you to you know, find a, find a church local to you and just go and, and sit and listen to the message. And uh, I, I started after a kind of a, a hiatus of not going to church for, for quite a number of years. Uh, I started going, speaking of storms, there's a storm outside right now. Um, I started going to uh, church quite regularly uh, about a year and a half ago. And just, and I've done some videos and stuff about the message sometimes, you know, if something just really, like Mike was really touched by your message here and he wanted us to, to, to sit and, and discuss this a little bit more. I don't think people give it enough real world application when they think about the messages in church and the messages in the Bible and the things that Jesus is talking about, how life-changing these things are. And it's not just about a, a, a bunch of stories about people that lived thousands of years ago. These messages apply today just as strongly and, and as meaningful as, the, as they once did. And we can apply them to our lives today yeah. and, and have that and have that, that fulfillment. And um, I just thank you so much for come, for coming today and, and, and talking about this. A very, very powerful message. And uh, hopefully we'll do it again some other day. Maybe we'll have Mike host that day and uh, you guys can speak about uh, something else from your message at church. So again, this is Pastor Art Dykstra from Feather Sound Church and uh, honored to have him here today on the Strong by Design podcast. And we'll do it again real soon. Amen. Thanks again. Hey, if you want the free seven worst testosterone killers report, then just text TESTO to 345-345. That's TESTO, T-E-S-T-O, to 345-345. And you'll get a text from me asking for your email. Then you'll get the free report sent to your email inbox. And if you're not in the U.S. or Canada, then you can grab the free report at criticalbench.com forward slash bonus dash video. Thank you for listening and stay strong by design.